when Daryl brought this video to us um, some time ago to our programming team, uh, he brought it in. He said he knows the dad, John Sherrill um, is the guy's name. He is actually a worship leader out of Houston. And uh, he's from A&M, and, uh, and I think Daryl met him in his college days uh, and knew of the story. And I remember Daryl asking some of us to pray for Kyle when Kyle was born. And when he brought the, the video to us, he goes, look, you know, here's this. I don't know how we can use it. I don't know if we want to use it, but I just want you all to see it. So there's a group of about six of us sitting in our office, and, and he puts it on, and we start watching it. And a couple of the people that were in there kept looking over at me uh, to see my reaction. And at the end of it, Daryl goes, so what are your thoughts? And everybody was kind of chiming in, you know, can we use it? Do we want to use it? How do we want to use it? All these different things. And, and one of the, the girls in there, Casey goes, well, I want to hear Michael's thoughts. What are your thoughts on it? And, yeah, I didn't know. I was so conflicted. I was so conflicted in a few different senses. How, how do we use it in a Sunday to glorify God? And at the same time, the personal side of me was, why isn't that my story? You know, to be quite honest, the selfish side of me was like, why is it Kyle and not Grace? And so I was a little torn as to what we would do with this, if anything. But after some thought and some prayer about it, it really just kept coming back to me, you need to do this. You need to show this. Now, I have kind of a, after a time and a period of of being a pastor, every pastor kind of gets into a groove of their zone. Mine happens to fall on the lines of theodicy. And what theodicy is, is basically it's a triangular balance of the three truths that God is in the world. God is all loving. God is all powerful. And evil exists in the world. And the question is, how do you balance those three truths? If God is indeed all-loving and God is all-powerful, then why does evil exist in the world? And you can't dispute the fact that evil exists in the world if you look at the world. So then, therefore, the question becomes, is God not all-loving or is God not all-powerful? And it's really a heavy theological task to sort those out. I actually went online to Google, and um, it, it, we're all great theologians exist, um, and, and, and Googled, why do bad things happen to good people? Because that's the layman's way of, ask, of presenting this theology of theodicy. Why do, good thing, why do bad things happen to good people? And in 0.12 seconds, I got back over 38 million hits. People want to know. People deal with this and struggle with this on a daily basis. Why does God allow these things to happen? In my own life, I've asked that question many times. Never more fervently than in the past three and a half years. Because I, I look at John and I look at his, his wife and, and, I, and I see the, the amazing faith that they have. And I'm like, well, it's easy because Kyle's fine. 
But I know that that's not the case with them. That their faith was there throughout. John has written many songs that came coming from this experience. And one of them you actually sang um, this morning without even knowing it, um, called God is Faithful. And if you, I was singing it this time with the knowledge of John having written this through his experience with Kyle. And it's like, sing the love of Jesus, make his greatness known. God is faithful. And can you imagine a father in a NICU looking at a child that looked like it was something out of a movie? Lifting the name of Jesus even higher because God is faithful. How painful that must have been for him to do. I know all too well how painful it is. And so you've got to ask yourself, why? I don't know if you've ever confronted yourself with this question. I bet you have. Most everyone who has lived any period of time has suffered. That song that, that, we, uh, that the worship team sang right before the video is one of Daryl's songs, Shouting at Whispers. I'm just waiting, God, for you to end this pain, listening for your small voice to come through to me. How many of us go through these periods of darkness and bleakness where we feel that God has completely left us? If you've got your Bibles, open up to the book of Job. Job is, um, I mean, pretty much when you say Job... Everybody knows immediately the story of Job. Because uh, Job is on the, off the charts for suffering, right? I mean, the dude, if you look, uh, I mean, pretty much his name is synonymous um, with, with suffering. Chapter 1 is where I am. There was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and he employed many servants. He was, in fact, pretty successful. The richest person in that area. Every year when Job's sons had birthdays, they invited their brothers and sisters to join them for a celebration. On those occasions, they would get together to eat and drink. When these celebrations ended, and sometimes they lasted several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each one of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. That was Job's regular practice. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan, the accuser, came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been going back and forth across the earth and watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. A man of complete integrity. He fears God and will have nothing to do with evil. Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, Job fears God, but not without good reason. You've always protected him and his home and his property from harm. You have made him prosperous in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left. The Lord's presence. One day when Job's sons and daughters were dining at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabians raided us. They stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. 
While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the desert and hit the house on all sides. Their house collapsed and all of your children are dead. I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground before God. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be stripped of everything when I die. The Lord gave me everything I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Man. Talk about having a bad day. I mean, blow after blow after blow comes to Job. Starting with these material things, but focusing in on what was most dear to him, his children. And at the end of it, he still falls down and praises God. When I was sitting in the hospital and I watched the transport nurses come in and put grace into a little plastic box. Jenna had just had a major surgery. She was completely out of it. She couldn't go anywhere. She had to stay there, but that hospital couldn't take care of Grace. They had to send her across town. And there I was, torn, on the day of my daughter's birth, to stay with my wife or to follow my child. So I went over to the NICU at the other hospital, left Jenna and her mom there, and went and sat and held my little girl who was connected up to tons of machines. I don't know if I could have gotten down on my face and said, praise the Lord. At that moment, I was a little bit angry. I remember walking out of the Baptist hospital and some of our friends walked up and I just unloaded on them. They're sitting right over there. Because I couldn't take it. And I don't even know if what I said, it was just gibberish or whatever. I was distraught. There was a hole in my heart. My faith was shaken. I wanted to know where the heck God was. There have been so many times in the past three and a half years where I've fallen in that same spot. God, where are you? Kyle's mom said there was a 1% chance, less than a 1% chance of him surviving. 0% chance of him living a life without severe mental and physical disabilities. But he beat the odds and praised God for that. But why hasn't Grace said, Daddy... Why hasn't she taken a step? 
I mean, I know he's a worship leader and he's given his life to serve you. So have I. I gave my life to serve you. I get up every Sunday and try to bring people closer to you. Every day throughout my week is concerned with building your name and your glory in this world. And yet here I am once again on my knees asking you why. I know we all have these moments and questions in our life. Why did you give my mother cancer? Why is she suffering so greatly and nothing that the doctors are doing is responding? But this person over here is just fine. Why have you chosen to to move in some people's lives and not my own? Where are you during this time? It's such a desperately difficult thing to wade through these dark moments by yourself. It's such a painful thing to to begin to ask these questions and to think, why is it me? Because that's not the point. Why do bad things happen to good people? A lot of those hits on Google say that there uh, there are no good people in the world, so why are you even asking the question? All the Baptists were like, yeah. But still I find myself at times wondering these things. Why? 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 And the truth is, I don't know. I don't know. A good deal of my theology has come to believe that that there are times when God just lets things happen as he did to Job. And Satan goes, hey, I want to mess with Job. And God's like, okay, let's see what happens. I don't understand why. He's God. I'm not. There are also times that I think things happen because we do live in a fallen and evil world and sometimes stuff happens. But over the past three and a half years, one of the things that has come forefront in my theology and I've come to believe without a doubt is sometimes God causes things to happen in our lives that we see as evil, but they're not. I truly believe with all of my heart that grace is just like the blind guy from John chapter 9. If you remember the story in John chapter 9, Jesus comes across this man who is blind from birth. The disciples ask him, hey, Jesus, who sinned? Was it his father's or was it him that caused him to be blind? And Jesus said, no, nobody sinned. He's blind so that I may get glory. Why is it so difficult for us sometimes to believe that God will move in a way that the world says is evil and yet in the big picture that we don't understand God is moving in such a mysteriously powerful way that his glory shines through I tell you in the past three and a half years more people have come to know more about Jesus Christ and the love of God through grace and through her life than my 35 years of life she has done more for the kingdom and for God than I could even comprehend So, yeah, my belief is God made grace the way she is. Does that prevent me from praying that one day she will walk, she will eat, she will talk? Not at all. I still pray for those things every day. Every night I anoint her as she goes to sleep, and I pray that God would heal her. Every day. Because it is, you can tell, every ounce of me desires for her to live a normal life. 
for her to grow up and to go to school and to have friends and to have sleepovers. To go on field trips, to get to go to college, to have a job, to experience the love of a spouse that God has just set up this love, a sacrificial love of a husband and a wife. And I want her to know those things. But I don't know if she will. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't. The doctors said that she would never walk, and now hopefully she's just you know, weeks away from doing so. The doctors have no idea where she'll end up, and we don't either. But the fact of the matter is that God does, and I have hope in God. And if you heard a line that, his mo- that Kyle's mother said at the very end, it was kind of a quick line. She said, not all boys end up like Kyle. And I think what she means is not everyone that's facing that 1% or 0% chance is going to beat the odds. Some of those Kyles are going to die. And we don't get or understand why. But there is a hope that exists for those who believe in Jesus Christ that is so great that you can sing next to your child in a NICU, lift the name of Jesus even higher. Because God is faithful. In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, it says this. There will be a time when the new Jerusalem descends upon the earth and God comes to dwell with his people whom he loves. And there will be a time where there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. That is the hope that dwells inside of me that cannot get me down. On those days and those nights when Jenna and I are on our knees by our daughter's crib, We have that hope that dwells inside of us because we are believers in Jesus Christ. Because we know that he came to earth, that he lived a life blameless, that he was crucified on a cross, that he died and rose again so that we may have eternal life. So that one day a new Jerusalem would come upon this earth and I would live in a time when I could hear my daughter's voice. That is hope that cannot be extinguished. That is hope, while it can be beaten down at times, it will never go away. And that is the hope that I hope you are living your life with. I'm not the only one who has pain in my life. I'm not the only one who suffers. I know we all have those moments in our life where we experience those things. And I want you to know that if you have never known the hope of Jesus Christ, the hope of a day and a time that there is no more pain or suffering, come and talk to me today about it. Because let me tell you, I guarantee you that if Jenna and I had gone through these three and a half years without the love of Christ, the hope of Christ dwelling inside of us, we would no longer be together. It has been too stressful, too painful. There have been too many doctor's visits, hospital visits, time away from each other, fighting with one another because we are just maxed out, tired, that we never get a break. If we did not have the hope of Jesus Christ dwelling inside of us, I do not believe we'd be together. So if you don't have that hope, and let me tell you, our relationship is stronger than ever. We are best friends, we love one another, and we build each other up, not because of who each of us are, but because Jesus Christ lives and dwells inside of us. If you don't have that hope inside of your life today, if you don't know the marvelous light of Jesus Christ, you need to know it. I don't want to go Baptist on you, but we'll stay here all day if you need to know the the love of Jesus Christ. 
The worship team is going to come up right now. They're going to sing a song called Strange Little Enough, Marvelous Light. And it is a joy-filled song. It's a song where there's a part in it where it says, spin around, jump up, you know, jump up and down, get crazy for Jesus Christ. Because there is a hope that comes with knowing Jesus Christ that we should celebrate. And if during this time you feel led to come up and talk to me, or if you want to hang out afterwards and come talk to me about this, please do so. Please don't stay back and dwell in the darkness that may be surrounding you because there is a light that is so great, so great. No matter the darkness of your life that is there, there will always be that marvelous light that shines down, that gives you the hope and peace to know that one day there will be a day. There will be a day. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the gift of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for the hope that comes with knowing this marvelous life. I ask, Lord, that you would place it upon all of our hearts to reignite that fire inside of us, to know the hope that comes with knowing you, God. If we've known it forever, fan those flames that we may know it like no other time before. And God, if we have never accepted the gift of Christ and the salvation and the hope that comes with us, open up the hearts and the minds of people to push them forward by your Holy Spirit that they may know you and live in a world full of hope.